Hey everybody, this is Nate Smoyer, and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around. You're in the right place. Okay, we got a great show for you guys today. Uh, we're going to be talking about the vacation rental market, something that we don't get a, a whole lot into uh, very often. We've had a few guests talk about this market, but this is really interesting because it's going to include both property management companies. It's going to include real estate agents and the investor side. We've got Wes Walker. He's a founder of a company called Proper Sum. And uh, right from their website, uh, discover vacation homes for sale with reliable rental figures from local experts. Now, what does that really mean? There's plenty of marketplaces out there. You can find rental homes for sale or you can find rental homes to purchase you know, you could just go straight to Airbnb and try and find rental homes. But how do you know the figures? How do you know the numbers? Like how much it actually produces in rent? Was that an, you know, a, a, a fluke up year, the uh, costs of operating. And that's the brilliance of what comes in with proper sum. proper sum. What they do is they leverage the real estate agent to manage the relationship with the buyer. And then they pull in property management companies. And we talk about the actual business model, how this works. They pull in property management companies and they give blind bids on what they think that property can actually generate and what it costs to manage. And so then the buyer is getting three different bids on, hey, what's this property going to cost to manage? And what's it going to generate from three separate companies who don't get a chance to talk to each other about that? And it gives a much clearer picture of, hey, is this a good buy or not? Uh, we also get into other things, you know, uh, about the, the, the difficulties of verifying some numbers that, and how this model is supposed to work. And, and this really amplifies things as well as uh, towards the end of the show, we talk about funding, some philosophy behind that and the unique angle that Wes has taken to getting this company up off the ground. Uh, it's a fun episode here and uh, I think you guys will enjoy this one. It's a good to get some more of the vacation rental property uh, market on the show so listen in welcome to the show how you doing nate thanks for having me um i'm doing fantastic i got out for a bike ride already it feels uh it feels warmer outside it's finally no longer winter even though it's 40 degrees but i'll take it because there's sunshine (laughs) we've had it opposite in california during the entire work week it's been beautiful and sunny and then on the weekends we get a nice overcast at 55 so it's it's still a pretty saturday but it's uh, we, we're ready for it to reverse. We're ready for the, the sun to be out on the weekends here. I hear you, especially, especially with the lock-in. Well, let's uh, let's kick this show off correctly here. Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Let everyone know who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name's Wes Walker. I am the co-founder and CEO of PropperSum. PropperSum is an online marketplace of vacation rental homes that are for sale, where buyers can find the best properties with reliable rental financials from local in-market experts. All right. So a lot to unpack there. We have a lot to go into. Uh, definitely, I want to take some of this show to talk about your background, why you're the guy for this, uh, and understand you know the, the angle you're coming from. Before we get into all that, can, can you please go ahead and like, boil it down? If you had to summarize the problem you're looking to solve, what is the problem? What's that big problem you're attempting to solve? Sure. So um, every, most people are familiar with renting a vacation home now, thanks to Airbnb but there isn't a solution for finding one to buy. And anyone that's experienced uh, research or in-market viewings of homes, it's very difficult to collect the rental financials in a comprehensive and transparent way. So you have to ask an agent and then you ask a lot of local managers 
And it's a lot of groundwork and it's uh, a slow process and very difficult for people to do while they're typically on vacation. Um, also for real estate agents, they often only have a week to build a relationship and deliver confidence to a buyer that they just met in market. And it's very hard to sell a million dollar vacation home in a week uh, and do all those things in one piece. Why is it only a week? What is there that's happening in that week time? Yeah, so the, the, vac the vacation home is kind of a unique asset class. Um, there's, there's rational desire about making a long-term investment, but the real inspiration is emotional. Uh, people, people buy them for emotional needs, for their family, for you know, escape, escaping a work environment for a while, for resetting. And when they're in town and in market and on a vacation somewhere in a certain destination, that's when they're ready. That's their emotional state when they're, they're like, my family's here, we're having an amazing time. This is what life's all about. We need this. Mm -hmm. uh, and that changes as soon as they get home. So it's back to the grind, back to the work, back to the status quo, and there's no time for, for vacation thoughts until the next year. So that is, sales agents and real estate's already a hard job, but when you're selling a vacation home and you have no exist, pre-existing relationship with a buyer, you only have, a handful of days to really build it quickly and uh, proper sum is a tool that helps accelerate that sales process for, for, by providing some confidence and rental financials to their buyer. Got it. Okay. So before we go into then all the details of proper sum, because I want to, I want to walk through how it works and all that. Well, what, what was it that led you to starting this? I mean, sure. cause, cause this is the, <laughs> yeah. this is the thing I always love to understand in prop tech. Like, you typically have to either come from the tech side with some understanding of real estate or you came from the real side and then you had to make your way into the tech side. So what was it that drove you to, you know, starting proper sum and even sure. uh, you can, wh when did you guys start? Sure. Sure. So uh, I was always a hobbyist as a kid. I took things apart and tried to put them back together uh, often with a 30% success rate. And uh, the journey through vacation real estate happened more than 20 years ago. My family, I started a brokerage, a real estate and rental brokerage on the Carolina coast. Mm. And I was folding towels as a 14 year old um, working for my family, probably getting underpaid at that time. And, <laughs> uh, over the course of those years, I worked as a property inspector, uh, became part of the uh, you know, marketing and sales team. I was an account manager. I was customer service. Uh, I really touched on every single aspect of this. And Everyone in my family was in real estate. My uncles, my dad, my mom, we have brokers. And so it was a real estate dinner table conversation every night. And uh, ultimately in 2016, I was recruited by a national vacation rental management company, Turnkey Vacation Rentals, mm. uh, to open a number of markets in California. And I moved out to California in 2017 with my now wife. And we simultaneously launched multiple markets completely green and filled in a few existing markets that needed to grow as turnkey was expanding its portfolio and uh, there was an important discovery during this process is the pro some of the problems that exist in a boutique style vacation management office as far as sales and growth also exist in large you know 5000 property management uh, programs and that is that acquiring new inventory is extremely expensive and time consuming um, mm. the average, like the average cost is about 10 grand to get a new rental property on your program. Is that just vacation or that's ge in general? That's for vacation rental properties. Okay. That's, that's how much it costs in time and money and mailers and meetings for a management 
company to bring on one new property. It's kind of okay. crazy. Right. Yeah. I mean, okay. and, and I think we talked about this in the pre-show, but basically it's, it's kind of like, well, you know, if someone has a vacation property that they're going to hire a manager for, once they get one, why would they change? So, so yeah. you've got to get them in like these short windows. That's, that's a very insightful comment. Most of the time, uh, the best and most effective way to acquire a new account is upon purchase or upon sale of the property, where there's a lot of change. Um, it's also a reason why the current economic environment is interesting because there's a lot of change that's happening. But ultimately, once someone kind of decides on the fit for them and the relationship for management, they stick there. And it takes a lot to un unwind that relationship. So yep. uh, that's another one of the inspirations is I realized instead of trying to trade properties with other management companies, we need to help the agent sell it first and then we can manage it. And that mm. was, that was part of the inspiration behind proper sum. Got it. Okay. So let's, let's talk through this then. Um, you know, let's say, uh, so you, I, I went on the proper sum website, wanted to see like some of the areas you were operating in, uh, and you got the great smoky mountains. Love it. Mm -hmm. uh, I have been to the Smokies. I've been to Gotlandburg uh, camped out that way. Um, there's actually this, I got to tell you this, there's this tiny little town called Danville, not Danville, Cookville. It's Cookville. Okay. I was thinking Danville, Virginia, for some reason, right. uh, Cookville, Tennessee has this tiny little donut shop called Ralph's <laughs> and it's got like the big plastic Coca-Cola sign that says yeah, yeah. Ralph's, you know, cause yeah, everything's, yeah. <laughs> everything's Coca-Cola or Pepsi branded in the South. Right. That's and, right. uh, they got the old diner and man, it is the best. They have, they have these honey glazed donuts. They're honey twists. Amazing. But anyway, all right. We got the great, great smoky mountains. Um, okay. So I'm an investor in Chicago. I want to buy in the smoky mountains. You're a real estate uh, agent who works the smokies, you know, the Gatlinburg rental market. Walk me through where proper sum comes in and how this all works. Yeah. So the, it's a great scenario question. You, if you, if you do have an existing relationship in market, which may or may not exist, but if you do, and you start asking the agent about listings and market, uh, prior to our company, the agent would have to go out and randomly collect numbers from individual management companies yep. uh, on a single use basis. And it takes a long amount of time. Yep. Uh, now with proper sum, agents in market, and it, this is important, buyers agents don't pay for access to our platform. It's free. So okay. they, they can compile a list of properties that have a, have a you know, fit within a certain range for that particular investor buyer. And then they share a catalog they've created with them with the investor buyer who then goes on and explores the individual properties and the proposals that managers have posted on those properties. Okay. So, so then uh, you have access to proper sum cause I, I called you up. I'm like, Hey, I saw this rental property and you're like, Nate, that's a great, um, great eye. Uh, you know, that one actually just went under contract. Would you like me to send you other properties that are off market? And of course I'm, I'm an investor. I'm like, uh, Wes, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Send me all what you got. So then you can take my, my rental criteria. I'm like, I want six bedroom because I like having 10 people, you know, sleeping in six bedroom rentals. I like those rates and I want a hot tub and I want a balcony and I want a view of the mountains. That's right. And so then do you search through proper sum? Is that, and then it pulls up an inventory or you're able to, like, how does that gather the inventory to be able to send me that data? Yeah, so one thing that was very important and we haven't talked about the company's timeline yet is, uh, and this is a little bit of, about experience and coming up with ideas. We did not try and duplicate things that already exist. So mm -hmm. listing sites that have information and the amenities, I feel like a lot of companies are incremental in the products that they're creating. And we wanted to create what was the exponential piece missing first, the most important. 
So mm -hmm. the rental proposals from local managers are the missing piece of the puzzle right now. And they're one of the most important pieces. Uh, we don't have, we do not yet add features and some of the property individual characteristics that will come later on, mm -hmm. on later development cycles as an incremental improvement. Mm -hmm. But ultimately you can do filters. What's the, you know, what's the total price of the property list price, bedroom count, bathroom count, location area. Yeah. compiles the results and then you can go in and individually explore the financials on a, a simplified P&L of rent and income and expenses and see what the performance is for each year based on what you put down. Yeah. And, and do, do, does proper sum go through in verifying that or is there? So this is the secret. This is the secret of the, of the process there before our company, there was no way to validate the information that you're getting from this agent or this random management company. You don't right. I mean, I would want to see the tax reform, tax forms. That's what I would ask for. I'd say, like, yeah, that's fine. You know, just show me your tax forms. And, and the interesting, an interesting kind of side note is that investor personalities and buyers are very different than the casual leisure buyers. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but one thing that is true is that the trust of the source of information was a major problem before yep. our company. So we, we created a process that does a couple things. Um, it creates a blind bidding proposal process for the managers. So managers go under, let me start kind of with how the system set up. Yeah. Managers go, instead of buyers picking properties, agents finding managers, managers providing single proposals, we've foundationally and fundamentally changed this process where managers start off, go in and select the properties that they want, and they put in proposals on how much they believe it would produce and gross rents based on their market expertise and knowledge and what they would charge for a commission to service the property on behalf of the homeowner. And what this does is it helps them target properties in an affordable way. But, but the, the real kind of aha moment is that these proposals are blind until they post publicly. So what happens is a buyer gets to see multiple proposals from different experts in say mm -hmm. Gatlinburg. And they immediately post and they see, wow, management company A says 100,000 in gross rent. Management company B says 105,000 in gross rent. Management company C says 98. And what that says to a buyer very quickly is, this property is gonna make $100,000 a year. There's three yep. experts that have all blindly agreed. So we just created this, yeah, it, it, the other part to help protect uh, the investor and the quality of the information is because it's a double blind process, a manager is incentivized to be within a reasonable range of, of their competitors because if they're way out in left field, like, oh, it's going to do 200, it makes them look underprofessional or, or inexperienced. Gotcha. So, so it already lines up the management companies to be a little bit conservative. Right. Likely. Um, it, it, it is in some sense a CMA, uh, but it's a, in, a, in a blind a comparative market analysis, but it's, it's blind for everyone to compare how they're evaluating. And then this is the, you're doing the work that the real estate agent doesn't want to do or might not know how to do. <laughs> right. That's right. I mean, I, you know, I, and I'm not being insulting here, but if your job is, you know, helping whether it's consumers, investors, or these, can we call, oh, we got to come up with like a good word for those who buy leisure and investment. Like, Leisure, leisure buyers, or oh, like athleisure wear, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll work on that. Okay, lease investment. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's what I was trying to come up with, right? So I, I can um, I imagine a new brand already. Here there's it comes. a new brand coming out of this. Um, <laughs> stick around. I got more bad ideas coming. So, so the agent though may not be best equipped genuinely to do that. Like they're knowing what things buy and sell for. 
but they don't necessarily know the operating costs because that's not their focus. So they, they see proper sum as this assistant comes along, basically it's this piece of tech that they can feel leverage. It ties the relationships back with the, the management companies. They're adding way more value than they could have previously to the potential buyer who's looking at the vacation property, either as leisure or strictly financial investment. And now the buyer's next step is to purchase. That's exactly right. This okay. is the, the incentives of all of the participants are now aligned and, and, they're, yeah. and they're done in a way that protect each of them, but also still are able to share information in a useful way. That's all exactly right. right. Now I'm going to hit you with the Congress question here. Sure. But how do you make money on a product that's free? So this is, uh, this is what took a long time to think through and understand. Um, you'll see some data scraping sites, which are very, or that are, that are known for not being accurate for, individual properties because they're not commodities. Uh, they're charging investors to access this information. Sure. Um, I get their emails all the time. Yeah, there's, and I don't know which one you're describing because there's a couple of them out there, but the, there's a, there's a fundamental misunderstanding is that investors buy properties every once in a while, not every day, not every week. Managers are in the daily business every day and real estate agents are in the daily business every day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and we originally were thinking about, oh, we should charge investors for this, but they're an important conduit and uh, the oil that works this machine. And we want them on as frequently and as much as possible. So instead we said, you know what? Managers need a solution that's affordable and infinitely faster. Mm -hmm. So we'll charge managers a flat annual fee to do this per area. So what, if you're typically spending 10 grand per property and you're signing eight properties a year, it's going to cost you anywhere from eight to a hundred thousand dollars to grow your inventory. Wow. We charge, we charge $2,500 flat fee, sign as many properties as you want. On the other side, real estate agents, their brokerages are paying as much as three or 4% to bring new buyers to the table. And although we're not replacing that piece, it does show the, the amount of value for delivering some confidence and delivering buyers to their, to their listing environment. So we charge brokerages a flat fixed cost annual fee, the same one, it's about 2,500 bucks, mm -hmm. and they can add up to 250 listings a year. So, you know, basically pennies on, on the ability to expedite a sale process and deliver confidence. So our customers are listing agencies or individual agents uh -huh. and management companies looking to drive new business. And we give, we give this access away to free, for free to any buyer, investor, researcher, or any buyer's agent who's helping their client and wants to share the information that's on the platform. Got it. This is actually brilliant. I, I, I'm gonna use the, I'm gonna use the whiteboard. <laughs> I've never done this. Um, okay, let's, let's no whiteboard, one, yeah. No one's, no one's watching, but we're gonna whiteboard. Live all right, all right. Here. All right, <laughs> this is gonna be, this should be a new, this should be a new thing I do. I a new know. segment? So we got the buyer. The invisible whiteboard. Right. We got right. the buyer who's dead center. Uh, that's kind of small, but I think we can make it out. Okay. So uh, they talk to the agent, right? And the agent is like, uh, yeah, I want to help you with that. Oh, man, I don't know how to do this property management, vacation rental stuff, but that's a $800,000 property. What's a, what's a four or let's even be conservative. Let's say a 2% commission, right? 800,000. Cause in some markets they've really compressed. And, and it's in 2% may be the, the final agent uh, commission after brokerage cut in a luxury market. That sounds right. So we're looking at a $16,000 commission on an $800,000 rental property. It's a right. good one. 
that's that that's my that's my six bedroom that can sleep 10 that's that's, that's right. what i'm looking for right right all right here we go so we got the agent they're looking at a sixteen thousand dollar commission they're like i gotta get that i want and i want this sale and this buyer showed proof of funds and they're good so i'm gonna i'm gonna go get me some proper stuff that's right, right? they'll fork out the money they got it for the whole year now they're gonna work that buyer they've built up good rapport but i like the fact is that now what it does is you got proper sum over here and through the agent and it pulls property management one, two, and three into right. so the business. Is that, this, is that this how is, that's functioning? That's, that's a brilliant way of describing it. And that's exactly, this was part of the learning process for us is that we realized when we started putting managers faces on individual properties, the pull effect for their competitors was enormous. Not only were they posting their rental production publicly, but they were saying to their whole community, we're not afraid to be transparent about our operation. We're worth this price. And then their competitors call and say, or email us and they're like, okay, well, how do we sign up for this? How do we do it too? So there's a tremendous pull effect, not only for the information, but also for our sales team. Yeah. When managers start posting publicly in their environment or in other markets. And then to add to that, what you're describing about agents introducing buyers into the ecosystem, because we have no incentive to, to participate with the buyer. That's not our customer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, this it's protected in that way. And we're not trying to be a broker in the process. We have no interest in that. So the agents aren't afraid to share this and they have a push effect to add new market users. So what, what you're starting is the very basic pieces of the network effect that's inherently built into the platform. Yeah. How many, how many vacation rental markets do you have that you could go after that would make sense? Yeah. So there, the, we're first focusing on the legacy drive through destination markets, the one with really mature regulatory environments that are historic, you know, they've made through 10 recessions and uh, buyers are buying them mostly emotionally and there's lots of managers and agents that are servicing that market. So Those California. The, yeah, well, it's, we, you know, here's some of the timeline. I'll, I'll kind of jump into this quickly. Uh, we incorporated the early part of last year in the spring. We built some test products and, and ran them by some agents and managers. Great feedback. In summer, we raised our pre-seed in 90 days. In fall, we started wow. our, right after the summer, we built our minimum viable product. And by December, like less than 90 days, we launched live in Park wow. City, Utah. So what, what the thought process is on the, on the timeline is that Park City is a hyper luxury destination market. It's not very cash efficient, but it's very cool. I mean, it's a great place to, to go on vacation. I love and the, the thought process. On the website. I want to go there. Right. And we thought if we can, if this financial transparency tool works in a, in a cash inefficient market, then it will work anywhere. So we launched in Park City in December, and within the first 100 days, we were in 19 US cities with paying customer companies uh, using proper sum. So uh, we're all over like coast to coast at this point, and we're gonna keep expanding out to these luxury destination markets uh, because the demand is there and the need is there. And I think, interestingly enough, although investing is a funny topic right now, People are, in, in all the panic and stress, they're reprioritizing what's important to them. Sure. During this time with their family, it is time. It is escapism. It is change, and yeah. they're going to start going on vacation in droves uh, come the end of the summer and, and early fall. I think it's pen. I think um, my really real hope, and not to date this episode too much, but my my, my real big hope is that um, we figure this thing out quick. Um, we get people back to work as quick as right. possible, uh, but as safely as possible. So right. that people don't dig themselves too big a hole. But when 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 we do get back to work, I think people are ready 
Yeah. They are ready to go do something. Like this everybody. 40- yeah, it's 40 degrees out and it's sunny but it's 40 degrees out and people are walking around like it's summertime right now right, right. they ain't got nothing else to do they finally went for a walk yeah. like we see kids playing kickball in our courtyard it does kind of what it rings there? a bell from kids like back in outside. the 80s i know kids are playing outside again it's really kind of bizarre what's happening but but it's good it's it's you know with and i, I don't want to discredit the fear and the anguish and the people that are that are losing and are in trouble financially right now but w- these downturns they, they kick the beehive and they make us all look at our professional lives in process and our business lives in process and maybe even our familial lives in process and, and say, yeah. what, am I, what have I been autopiloting and I need to spend some time on? What, yeah. what, is, what have I been missing? What have I been ignoring? And let's, let's kind of look at it and work closely at that. So I think that um, there's tremendous opportunity in the next, if you look past 36 days and you look at 36 weeks or even 36 months, uh, there's, there's tremendous opportunity for those that are trying to provide actual genuine solutions that fit into this time period where, where people are trying to repurpose and reorganize and, mm-hmm. and fix the things that they may have ignored for a while. Yeah, totally. Uh, uh, one of the things I have is almost like a running joke at a veil. It's not really a joke, but it's just one of the things like I, I just have, I've made it my thing. I don't know. In our, our, our random Slack channel is I like to post trends of new words that are catching on. So if you look up like unprecedented and amid. I've heard like, you talk about this. Yeah. Like, this on the show. yeah. Well, I mean, so right now, um, how to bake bread, right, like right. skyrocketing. <laughs> right. you know, bread machines right. are outselling like everything else that people should be buying right now, but they're outselling. Like it's, it's just crazy. And, and this is, um, you know, we're, we really are in a, a time where patterns will change in dramatic fashions. Right. Um, you know, people looking to pay rent online. I mean, of course, I'm going to know a little bit about this. The search has never, in the last 12 months, hasn't been higher since, like, in the last 30 days. It's been the highest it's been. So Google will put it on a scale of, like, zero to 100 as far as level of interest. And it's at 100. People looking to pay their rent online. That's crazy. That's crazy. And so, anyway, well, let's keep it moving here. So we've already kind of dissected this. We know who uses proper sum. So it's, it's the agent first introduces it to the buyer, pulls in the property management companies. It helps build that together. So I want to know though, is it the agents, the individual agents, or is it the brokerages that are the key to traction there? Sure. So it, you know, some of this has to do with the market and the timing. So right now it's very easy to contact brokers because they need solutions. They're concerned about six and nine month sales cycles and what people are going to be doing. Yeah. Uh, before everything kind of went crazy, uh, agents are very difficult to talk to about software products because they're inundated and everybody's in a disruptor and there's all these, everybody's trying to claim that they're this exponential difference. The last thing and, they want is another tool. They just want to close the deal. And that, that was an important part of the discovery process last spring when we were testing products is that if agents have to spend any more than 15 seconds on it, it's a dangerous product to yep. build because it's going to be hard to sell. So totally. This is why we designed it in a way where the agents do, there's no onboard, there's no listing loads. We do all of that and we pre-collect from all the managers without the agents having to do anything. So as mm-hmm. soon as they want it and want to distribute it, they just pull it up and share it with their client and it's done. Got so it. the, the sales process to get started in an individual market when we launch is we'll contact a few agents and say, hey, we've already done the legwork. Do you want us to post it publicly and spread it across our platform? And they're always like, sure. But when we want to start filling out the paid subscriptions that we're not giving away that's when we go to the brokers and say hey like instead of you know thinking about three percent is the only way you can get new buyers 
we'll load up all of your listings for your team uh, so that they distribute out to our buyer network and buyer agent network for, and we typically discount it, Nate. So we'll give them a discount when they're, when it's new in market uh, to help kind of incentivize it. And it ends sure. up being, you know, a few thousand bucks to, I mean, you can pay that in a photography shoot for a really big house. So, <laughs> uh, so the, the, that's, that's the other reason is we wanted to design something that the price point was exponentially better than what's happening uh, in their market and, and for products that they're buying. So uh, long version of the answer is brokers are more efficient, but individual agents are where we start. And I'm sure you're getting some friction on this, but you know, a lot of products, especially when selling to real estate agents, try to do, hey, well, you only pay at closing or pay per deal, right? Because agents don't want, and it's understandable, their, their businesses are historically very uh, roller coaster looking like. Yeah. You know? They've got four deals under contract and all lead prospecting shuts down because right. they've got to focus on closing. Well, I had a, an agent used to describe it as like a little egg. He's like, you take care of that little egg. You hold it and it's fragile, <laughs> right. you know? Um, so, so having a, any sort of fixed expense feels scary. How are you getting past that point of friction? So the, the cost to an individual agent is not 2,500 bucks. Okay. They, so that's they, the broker. That's the broker. Oh, an, I see. An, an agent can use it for up to 10 listings for a couple hundred bucks. Oh, okay. Um, and, yeah. And, and that's a listing agent. And by the way, like typically there's, you know, when there's a listing agent in a vacation rental market, they typically are the listing agent. You know, they carry like 40% of the listings and they've been doing it for 15 years and they're you know, on the, on the benches and in the magazines and they're, they're the big ballers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's and she's and, so we, we also created the product to be free for buyer's agents because we didn't want to discourage their use of the environment to say, hey, like we know that you need tools too to help build your business and build your, your book. So here, use it for free. Um, this benefits us because we get content from the managers and the listing agents pay to use it. Got it, got it. That, that helps a lot. Um, so, and then you, you've already described uh, some of the markets you, you, or you listed. Um, Park City, but can you describe some of the other markets you said 19 is what you're in already? So there's, there, we kind of use two different terms. We use destinations, which are general areas, and then there's individual cities. Okay. Uh, so, you know, Great Smoky Mountains is three or four cities. Uh, yeah. Park City is a destination in a city. It's kind of like Australia, right? So it's a country and a uh, Did you just describe uh, an entire continent as like Park City, Utah. Yeah, that's right. It, it, you know what? If you've been to Park City or Salt Lake City, it is kind of its own country in many ways. Uh, it's a very unique place. It's a beautiful place. I haven't uh, been there yet. It's awesome. It's really, a, it's like nothing you've ever seen. So that's, I think, one of my favorite parts about real estate and with travel and management uh, is you get to see all these parts of the country. And this country is incredible. There's just Every time you think you've seen the next big and crazy thing uh -huh. that you would have never imagined to be within our borders, you, you find another one. Uh, it's like a different culture or a different example of, of how people like to live their life. It's a really kind of cool part to the American uh, real estate travel environment. Yeah, yeah. So I, I agree. So I digress. Anyway, there in, in destinations, there's numbers of cities uh, in most cases. Uh, you know, Charleston has Folly Beach, Isle of Palms. Kiowa, Seabrook, uh, and, you know, Outer Banks, the Southern Shores, Kildeva Hill, Nags Head. So there's, there's a number of cities in each. Uh, but you'll find that managers often will specialize in one or two cities, not a whole market. Got it. And, and it makes a lot of sense, obviously, uh, to have some diversification there and, and a little bit of room to work with. 
Um, you know, you guys have been moving lightning fast. And so you've only been up and running for a very short period of time. But invariably, the world is, you know, anybody starting a, a new business and going in, especially I think in prop tech, there's so much nuance, there's so much into the cycle. And, and if you're reinventing how things are done, man, that just introduces friction. What are some mm -hmm. of the challenges you've bumped up against to get where you're at currently? And how did you overcome them? Sure. sure. So I think, um, I think my, the best one to acknowledge is anyway, so small business owners, startup founders, you know, podcast hosts are tend to be obsessive people. Like they, they love information. They love talking to people. They love new ideas. And that can be distracting to the mission, the mission at hand, the primary mission in some ways. Um, and our customers are already sending us like ideas about things that they would love to see on it and new feature sets and all these different things. So th that's one of the challenges is trying to uh, really engage the customers in a meaningful way and ask their feedback, but also be careful about how much time we invest in doing, you know, off cases and single shots of feature sets. So that that's been an interesting first part is the, feedback we've received and the need to stay focused on what the immediate mission is this year uh, but also be considerate of what people what our customers want because they're the ones that should be designing the business uh, with, with enough data and enough feedback so I'd, I'd say that's probably been the first challenge is that every week somebody sends something like hey well, can you do this or can you guys create that or can you can you build that so uh, staying on task is is the challenge there's no limit to the edge cases that exist right. in real estate right. and dangerous it it, territory. It is so <laughs> challenging to build a tech product for real estate because I mean, there's some reasons that, uh, you know, you'll hear it said, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong in real estate. And right. that's in every type of transaction. That's not limited to any one type. So designing a product that can stay focused and still serve those edge cases in a, a smart way without becoming bloated too mm -hmm. fast is tough. You're, you're identifying some inspiration behind the simplification of our product from the first versions. We really pulled a lot out to, mm. uh, to try and avoid becoming involved in some of these use cases. And I, I think that it's important that the technology not try and replicate or re replace things that don't need to be replaced, that need to be done hand-to-hand -hand or uh, by voice. So we, we try to stay very hyper-focused on one thing. What was some of the process that you used to pull things out? Like did you just say like, does this make money or how many requests do we get for this or? Yes. So we, uh, the, the actual process from a, a qualitative uh, analysis is what will be the time invested for us to produce this? And will this impact be exponential or incremental? Mm -hmm. So if it's going to take us um, hundred hours of programming time, what's going to be the return for our customer and for our business? Uh, or if it's going to take us two hours, you know, is there actually, is it two hours of value back or is it 2000 hours of value back? So when we do, when you do product road mapping and product testing, uh, you first find out what the users want and then you kind of critically analyze and you have to use some of your preconceived notions about it's about what it could do to say if out of this great list of 10 that I want all of, which one is really going to produce the you know, highest growth rate or the highest close rate or the highest customer satisfaction rate? And which one's the most important? And that's you know that is very qualitative. It's not totally quantitative, um, and it's hard to it's hard to prioritize. Which is part of yeah. what the mention of how do we uh, how do we effectively deploy time uh, to make sure that we're building the product the way that customers want, and that also helps our investors. Yeah. Speaking of investors, let's talk about investments. Um, 
you know, it's pretty popular, especially in prop tech, uh, talking about what you've raised and how much you've raised. So um, I'd love to hear from you. You know, have you gone through the process of raising funds? Uh, I think you actually mentioned you secured a seed round. Uh, and I would love to hear your, your take on like how you plan on leveraging venture capital moving forward. Sure. Um, and, you know, maybe you can share some of your experience. I know you have quite a few experiences with venture capital. Sure. So there, there, something that I learned along the way in the early part of the year. And so for, first of all, um, don't try and teach yourself everything. Find someone else that knows more than you about investment in venture capital, investment in angel and investment in small business. Like trying to learn it all yourself is if you do that, then you can be a venture capitalist because you figured it all out and it takes a lot of time. And that was one of the mistakes that I made is I was trying to teach myself everything and I, and I needed mm. to find people that were smarter than me and more experienced than me to help, to help be good advisors and, and mentors. And I did so, uh, and I got lucky in that way. And what I discovered is there's really kind of three pools uh, to oversimplify this. There's the, you have a small business idea that's going to produce wealth for you as an individual but there is an amount of valuation cap that it can reach. It can only be a certain size, uh, either from scale or your own technical inability or, or your capital access um, or experience. So that's group one. Uh, there's group two, which I call the angel or syndicate category. And these guys are investing their own money. They wanna see a turnaround of profit in a couple of years. They want to see, they, they need more evidence uh, because they're putting their own money at risk. And this is kind of like, I don't, I hate to say Shark Tank because it's a reality TV show, but, but it's true. They're, they get a bigger cut than they probably deserve because they're providing something you desperately need because you don't have any other way of raising it. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, they also can be dangerous if you don't know them because you're inviting strangers into a controlling environment of your business. And that's a risk that you need to consider. By the way, anyone thinking of raising money needs to read early exits. Early so, exits? Uh, early exits describes the difference between venture capital and angels. And it was, it was a book I wish I read two years ago. Oh, adding that to the list pronto. That's a, that's a good one. And I, uh, we competed in a pitch competition in Silicon Valley at, uh, at Twitter headquarters. Um, and it was a recommendation by one of the panelists. We, subsequently, I've, I'll shelf humility for a moment. We won that competition, but, oh. but the, uh, the, one of the panelists who was investor was like, I think you should read early exits so that you can have a better understanding of the difference between angel and venture capital motivations. Mm. So for the venture capital world, uh, they're basically brokers of other people's money. They cook, you know, they invest a bunch of money, they collect money from limited partners. They get a percentage of that for management and they deploy it in different types of strategies and ways. And that's a whole nother educational process of, of selling and networking and understanding this group. And I would recommend reading Venture Deals. Uh, I think the last name on that's Feld. Uh, this is a highly recommended book in the venture community. It's written in plain English and it's a book that I reread on a regular basis as a reminder. So those, those three categories are very different in, in how you raise money. Um, the venture guys wanna see you're crazy. They wanna see you thinking of a $10 billion idea. And, and able to formulate the plan to get there in a way that's kind of right. insane. The angel guys are like, I want my money back in four years. Show me how you're going to make a ton of profit now and sell this. And you're not trying to be Uber and you're not trying to be WeWork and you're not trying to be whatever, you know, giant IPO that seemed impossible, but somehow happened. They're looking for a safer bet. So that's, 
uh, that's what I learned along the way. For our experience, um, and, and no matter what, it's important to know it, relationships are very important in the investment community. So you need referrals from other people that you know. And one of the things that we did with our fundraising process is that we wanted to show proof within the industry that this was a good idea. So we raised money from lenders, insurance providers, management professionals, real estate sales professionals, and vacation homeowners. And that, that group uh, resulted in a, a very small portion of equity with a reasonable valuation. Um, so that when we're trying to meet new investors that are looking for the, the big next idea, we can say, we may not know each other, but here are 10 people that are, that stand to gain from this, exi the existence of this marketplace. And they've voted not only on the founders, but they voted on this idea by investing. Interesting. In so that, that was our strategy. The, the last thing I'll add before droning on for an hour is every great business has a great business plan because it requires that you exercise the things you haven't thought of and, and notice your, your weak points and uh, the, you know, the things you've missed. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to raise uh, with other people's money and you're gonna raise capital, whether it's angel or VC, you need a financing plan. And the financing plan is, it, it, it identifies how much valuation you expect in two years, in, sec in six years, in seven years, and it seems nuts when you write it out. You're like, oh, we're going to be worth $500 million in seven years. We're going to be worth 10. But if you're going to raise venture capital, they want to see that. Yeah. And, th and they also want to see that you haven't over, uh, oversold your company where you only own 20% because 10 years from now, when you've diluted it down, you're not going to care about it anymore. So there's this really fine balance of understanding the amount of equity you sell, the instruments that you use, who you plan to talk to next. And it's, it's yeah. basically as insane as a business plan. It has to be as formulated. Uh, and you have to stick to it. Um, I'm so glad you're talking about the plans because the only quote I know about plans is everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. I believe that was uh, Mike Tyson. But <laughs> this is uh, we're we're now in a, a state of the economy where everyone has been punched in the mouth. We're finding out how good everyone's plan is. Um, I appreciate all that background. I think that's a, a really smart move to to not just try to go who's going to fund my business, but who are the right people, especially early that, you know, have a, a direct stake in losing something here, but also like believe in this market. Like they are practitioners in the market or they're in the market and they know it because that is a good vote of confidence to anyone else who maybe they've never been a part of anything with vacation rentals. So why would they enter that? And they're going to need that confidence. Like you're saying like, okay, I see your, your big, uh, your exponential chart. That's great. How do I know that's real? Right. Yeah. How do, right. how do, how, how can I get behind that? And, 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 and you also want to take smart money. So people, money is great. Money can do lots of things. Uh, but you can, there's also times where money isn't, it doesn't win necessarily. Google tried to create their own social network. They dumped billions of dollars on this thing. It didn't work. Oh my gosh. Because uh, it, it just didn't line up correctly. So it was a pain you, in the freaking butt to use. It was so hard. I tried, I, that was I one really I actually tried, tried. It. I really tried, man. I sat once at my computer for probably two hours. I was trying to game it though. See, originally, yeah. <laughs> right, to be right. able to give a Google Plus on a search result. Right. So I went through, I searched my name and anything I was associated with. Right. I plused everything. That's right. You know, and then I was just like doing all this gaming and it went nowhere. I was like, this is stupid. I'm done. I think, I think Google Plus was kind of like the Nintendo 64. 
64. I put down the all the consoles at that point. I was like, I can't do anymore. I, I, it's distractions for me. So actually, I don't so I don't participate on Twitter, Facebook, uh, or Google Plus, which was you know was. A I'll say this though, for those listening, I don't want to get into social media stuff, but Twitter right. is back. Twitter is hot. Twitter's the spot right now. It's so good. It's honestly so good. Once the, the, the algorithms work now. The suggestions of who to talk to and content that serves up, like Twitter's on point. So, good, good. That'll Twitter. be a, that'll be somebody that we find that's that's a lover of social media and obsessed with it the same way that we are Boom. in real estate. We'll bring them in. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but you can find me on Twitter at Nate's Moore at Technos Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's a shameless plug. Good. <laughs> shameless plug. Hey. All right. Well, let's move on here. I want to get to one of my favorite segments of the show. Wes, I believe you're familiar with this. We're gonna play a game. I like to call for the future. Sure. The future is where I get to ask each guest who comes to the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Wes, you ready to play? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, let's do this. Question number one, what does proper sum look like one year from now? Proper sum is in 50 United States cities. One year from now, we've raised our next round and uh, we're beginning conversations about integration with lending and insurance. Oh, all right. Nice and succinct. Question number two, what will prop tech as an industry look, look like for a year from now? I, so I think I just mentioned lending and insurance. I, I think that these kind of segments like prop tech, fintech, and insurance, insure tech are interwoven in a way that hasn't been realized yet. And they're, they're probably oh, going to yeah. be wrapped up, I think, in a, in, a, in a very useful way. I also think that uh, just like prop tech, every other X tech, there's a lot of bloat. <laughs> And I love that. every other X tech. Yeah. All the blank tech, everything that's something. It's a tech. category. You put tech behind it because you have a website. What's going right. good. Right, right. I think, I think a lot of the companies that are overvalued, uh, overfunded and underdeveloped are going to disappear. Um, oh. I think that there's, there's been, you know, we we're, we're wired to overreach and, and venture capitalists are not immune from that. And, that's the name of the game is that you, you know, some of it's luck and some of it's timing and this has kind of changed what's happened economically yeah. is changing some of this. So I think that there'll be some consolidation and, and uh, a little bit of cleaning house um, for those that have maybe exposed themselves and taken on too much risk. Yeah. All right. Question number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? I've heard this question on your show. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a good question. Thank um, you. So, so, I, I have to be careful the way that I say this, but I think, I think companies need to stop trying to scale relationships. And this applies in all software. Um, it started off scaling process and improving it, and it, it became misunderstood as scaling relationships and automating a relationship. And I think that, that this is where real estate agents and managers and everyone that's in real estate technology environment gets frustrated is that they don't want to they don't want to be replaced. That that yep. can't happen. Yep. They just they want instead of trying to scale the relationship, let's enhance the relationship. Let's amplify it. I've had this uh, discussion with easy. Drew Myers quite a few times. Uh, awesome. Um, okay. From Geek Estate, uh, you know, like there's still very much like in real estate is a people business. And Jonathan Martis, who uh, is a CEO, co-founder of a company called Cleared, uh, just interviewed him. I think his show will be published before this one. So I think I'm saying this in the right order. 
Um, but we talked about that as well. You know, you just, you know, when his frustrations is this just the way CRMs are used to manage relationships with buyers and customers. And, you know, it's not true relationship management. So I, I can see this is actually a little bit of a pattern I have uh, seen from other and yeah. others in the space of relationships still matter. So if you, if you think about the amount of technology that's been introduced to real estate in the last 10 years, what people don't know outside of the business is that the uh, buyer's choice to use or, or seller's choice to use a real estate agent has also increased. So what was like in 60, 70% 10 years ago is now in the 80s, 90s, I think, if, in the recent stats. So people are preferring the personal connection more than ever. And I think... Mm. You know, so, you know, if you're if you're ordering food online, maybe you don't need to have a relationship. If you're going to the store to pick something up, you don't need to have a relationship. But when you you know you're doing financial planning, asset management, you're going to the doctor, you uh, you know you're talking to your attorney. Like, I don't want to use a chat bot. <laughs> I want to yeah, talk to fair. a person that's that's to, to trust me. You know, so uh, I think it's you know it could go into a whole segment about automation and scaling, but I, I would like to see companies stop scaling relationships. And I don't think we will see that in the near future. All right. Um, and the last one here, number four, what's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances? So this one may be a little controversial. Um, I think that the, use that's okay. I don't have anyone to answer to on the show. Okay, good, good. I hope hopefully our, our, you know, other professionals in real estate aren't upset by this, but I think the way that real estate brokerages, and I'm going to speak to general brokerages, not, not anything else. Um, I think that they wait, the way that they use office space, not only will change, but it has to change in order for mm -hmm. them to survive. Uh, the, the, the brick and mortar model that's been around for 50 years will not be able to compete with some of the more flexible models. And I think the word, the, the term remote work will just be called work in, in the near future. Uh, people don't need to sit in their own office in a room that's seven, you know, 45 minutes from their house. Right. Uh, they, they may need that sometimes, but not permanently and all the time. And I think that the use of commercial space for real estate uh, for, for general brokerages is going to change dramatically. I think it's going to have to change. All right. There it is. Uh, Wes, we're going to move on to the last three. Last three questions are more about you, so our listeners get to know you better. Okay. Uh, first one here. You've already given us two book recommendations, but Lut would like to know what are you currently reading? <laughs> yeah, sure. So uh, I, <laughs> it's kind of like time slotting. I have business books, and then I force myself to read some personal books. That's okay. Uh, for startup founders, a great book is Zero to One. Oh, yeah. I think that's very well recommended. Um, Peter Thiel's section about competition is for losers changed my understanding about business entirely. Hmm. Uh, the second one is Tools for Titans, also a famous author, Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss. Yeah. Yep. Um, you can just pop that one open and read it. I see it if I move my whiteboard. Oh, you've got it. Oh, you've got uh, the stack. <laughs> you can see the stack. Yeah. It's somewhere, it's uh, towards, I think it's on the other side of the stack there. Um, that's the, the dreaded area. stack. I can keep a stack next to my recliner. So whatever I'm, I'm feeling, I can dig into it. I'm the same way. I like to read a number of books at the same time. I have a short attention span, I guess. So that Tools for Titans is a great one to pop open and, and learn from other successful people about the little things and processes they've done. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm a space nut, a commercial, you know, consumer space nut. So uh, Endurance by Scott Kelly, the autobiography about his time in space. Oh, interesting. 
it's written not like a scientist. You just realize that you don't have to be a superstar, brilliant Stanford graduate to be an astronaut. Scott Kelly came from a very American regular family with a lot of at-home problems that he identifies. And you, it's an awesome story. It's, very, it's written in real English by a real person. It's very, it's very cool. cool. You also learn how oddly connected Russia and America are, even though they seem to be competitors and at odds in other ways. So, and the last one is Starship Troopers, which is sci-fi. Some nerdy, some nerdy. A little, bit of, little bit of sci-fi. All right, there we go, mixing yeah. it up. Question number two, who are you learning from? Uh, I, I mentioned this earlier. Our, our investors, uh, the professionals in the business, are a wealth of knowledge. Um, and they cover every corner of, of the real estate and lending environment. And they always have tremendous advice for me. Um, the second group is my mentors, my personal mentors. Um, I have a West Coast mentor and an East Coast mentor. The West Coast mentor is a partner at a very prominent venture capital firm here in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. And my East Coast mentor is a retired general and former professor of business school at a very well-known military academy in the South. And one is the gas and the other is the brakes. And, <laughs> and you can guess who's who <laughs> if you want to put it together. Uh, who's the wild growth and who's the strategic thinker. And mm. uh, that, that balance has, has been very useful for, for confusing me and making my decisions. <laughs> um, that's, that's good. You have some checks and balances in your life. Um, I have a, I've also have a handful of mentors, but, and they have different perspectives. And I feel like that is very helpful. Yeah, and I, you know, you have to find people that are very different than from, than you. That's a good, that's a good move for mentors. Yeah. Is trying to find somebody that's not going to agree with everything and it's going to push back. Actually, both of my mentors um, that I'm closest with are from New Jersey, which is, for someone who's born on the Pennsylvania border, <laughs> the right side of the river, if you will, right, right, it's right. very, <laughs> very challenging. Right, right, it's good. Um, all right, question number three here, last one. What inspires you? What inspires? Uh, wow, that's a like a, that's a loaded question. I feel like there's so many. I feel like there's people to thank. Yeah, you just uh, take it wherever you want to take it. You know what? It's the, this 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 company, this business was born out of a personal professional need um, and, and the desire to help people have a better experience at their their job. So our customers are the inspiration. Um, I was I would have been a customer if this existed ten years ago and. I think that real estate professionals, they're all CEOs in a way. They, they have to be experts in marketing and sales and people management and negotiation and financial planning and budgeting. Mm-hmm. And um, they have the most interesting stories. And I, they're some of the most hardworking people in the whole world. They're awesome. So It's a hard biz. They're, they're the core mission and the inspiration for, for myself personally and for our company. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, Wes, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you uh, taking aside the time to share about proper sum. Here we are on a Saturday. You could be out there doing, I don't know. I don't know what you're allowed to do these days. Everything's still closed here. <laughs> Everything's illegal in California. It wasn't hey, there you illegal. go. Everything's illegal. It's not that much different here in Chicago. But um, hey, for those who want to connect with you or learn more about proper sum, where do they go? How do they do that? Yes. So uh, you can find us online, propersum.com. Uh, you can also message me directly, Wes. W-E-S at propersum.com. And I really invite everybody to go on and explore. If you uh, are a regular uh, TechNest listener uh, and you're a real estate agent or a property management company, uh, we'll offer you a 60% discount for your first year.
Hey, so right. yeah, just, just mention TechNest in uh, our contact form and we'll sign you up. I gotta start. I gotta stop talking crap on agents if I want to get more agents listening to the show. <laughs> well, I'm just kidding. kidding. <laughs> you want the good agents. You want the early adopters. You want the thinkers. You know. They're, I do not apologize for talking crap on <laughs> mediocre, mediocre right. and status quo. I, I will not apologize for talking crap on. Um, Wes, it's been great. I appreciate it. Um, you know, thanks for keeping me in the loop on progress of things. Obviously, keep me updated. Um, and uh, let, let's check back in. And once things clear up, come to Chicago. Let's hang, man. I'm coming. You have to see my party boat that's floating around in the lake. Let's make that happen. You can just tell me where it's parked and send me the keys. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, it's being serviced by one of the, uh, the Chicago Lake Party groups. Long story. Uh, okay. we'll, we'll do that on the next. We'll do that on the next podcast. We'll connect on that one. Yeah. There we go. Okay. All right. We'll see it. Bye. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the TechNest podcast. Hey, don't forget, you can get on the email list so you never miss an upcoming episode. That's technest.io. That's T-E-C-H-N-E-S-T dot I-O. Get on the email list. Uh, go to the App Store, whether you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend, or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys later.